Welcome into the Pokes Report Podcast. My name is Zach Lancaster. Alongside Marshall Levinson, we're coming to you on Tuesday. It's Tuesday evening, August 17th. We got a lot to talk about, Marshall. A lot's been going on. We got some uh, breaking news that came out a couple hours ago. Uh, We're going to talk some football. We're going to talk some fall camp. We're going to talk a little NIL. We're going to talk a little conference realignment. We're going to do a mailbag. We're going to talk some basketball. Um, But first, what's up, man? Yeah, well, got COVID. So, (laughs) yeah, yeah, not great. I don't know if you can tell it in my voice, but you sound better. I will say you sound better than you did uh, over the weekend. Yeah, definitely better. Um, I got a just an annoying cough. Luckily, that doesn't hurt anymore. It's just annoying, like I said. Mm-hmm. Um, but still dealing with the nasally congestion issues. But hey, it's uh, it's not as bad as you were. So I'm thankful. Oof. Yeah, yeah. When we were, uh, let's see, what was that? When Tuesday or Wednesday last week? I asked you if you wanted to get together to. Uh, record a pod and you were like, well, I'm not feeling too hot. I'm waiting to get COVID COVID test back. And I was like, Oh, okay. Let's, uh, we'll wait. We'll, we'll wait. Yeah. And you said you had it. And I was like, Oh my God, dude, my, my stomach dropped. Cause it's, it's, it's awful. It sucks. So I'm, I'm very glad that you aren't sick, uh, sicker than you are because it's a, it's a, it's a real booger, uh, to put it lightly. Um, (laughs) definitely definitely glad you're not dealing with what I dealt with, uh, because that was no fun. Uh, I'll say the most, the, and I don't know if this happened for you, but I lost my taste. Yeah. So, um, that's uh, one of the weirdest, like, it's so awkward. I I don't want to call it, I don't want to call it a sensation, but it's like one of the, it's one of the weirdest things you can experience. Yeah. It's so uncomfortable. And so tell me if this was the same for you, but I can like. I can still smell, so I didn't. I haven't lost my smell. Mm-hmm. Um, but you can't taste anything, and I can tell when I'm eating something spicy, though, because you can I, at least I can feel the burn of the spice, but I can't taste it. So for me, um, it happened like the first week in November is when I got sick. So right. Um, Two places it could have happened. I still don't know where it happened. I still don't know how it happened. Um, I had I met uh, I met my radio co-host uh, the th- let's see the Thursday before the Stillwater Midwest City game. Mm-hmm. Um, so that would have been the thirtieth, I think, October thirtieth. Um, right, I was. I was no, it'd been the it'd be the 29th. So. I met him. That's the week of that big ice storm in October. Um, mm-hmm. I met him for dinner the 29th at Buffalo Wild Wings. So mm-hmm. it either happened there or it happened when you and I stopped for sandwiches in Guthrie. Yeah, I remember that place. <laughs> uh, you and I were the only two people wearing a mask, and we were in there for four minutes. Um, yeah. So it either happened at dinner Thursday or it happened on Friday. Um, because I started back doing radio on November 2nd as a Monday and I woke up Tuesday with a tickle in my throat and I thought, well, maybe that's just because I just did two hours of radio and it's the first time I've done this in a couple of years. Um, and then Wednesday I woke up with some sinus pressure and drainage and then Thursday morning I woke up and I didn't have my smell or taste, but I 
popped a cough drop and I got my taste back for the rest of the day. Um, but by that night I was running a one-on-one fever and the next day I had to have my wife drive me to the health department because I was so sick (laughs) that I couldn't even drive myself to the health department to get tested. Yeah. Um, but I didn't have smell or taste. Let's see. That was, I lost it Thursday, went to the emergency room the following Wednesday uh, checked in, went back to the emergency room on Thursday and checked into the hospital and was there a week. Um, <coughs> I got my taste back. Uh, let's see. I went in Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, five days after going into the hospital. Um, but yeah, so I've, I've heard some people get it back quickly. And then I've also seen some people that haven't had their taste for like four months. Well, with that, what well, I got it back five days. So that would have been almost two weeks after losing it. But I only got it back like maybe 30, 40%. And then my smell was the same way. I don't, I don't think I was, I don't think I got my smell or taste back fully. And this was November. I I got, I was back home uh, the week before Thanksgiving. um, And I don't think I fully got my smell or taste back until at least May or June. Before I could before I could fully smell and taste again, so mm-hmm. yeah, it was it was a weird sensation, and and it didn't really affect me that much because I was so sick I didn't eat anything anyway. Um, but like you and I had other buddies that they they didn't get sick but they lost their smell and taste, and they were like, yeah, man, I could eat whatever I wanted because I couldn't taste it. So it was yeah, it's, it's weird. Yeah, it's kind of yeah, it's definitely a, a an issue because I like. I like food. And <laughs> Apparently, if it's, you, it's kind of if you take kinda, an orange and, <clears throat> and like burn an orange. Yeah, that, someone said and that a bunch of cinnamon or something or other. Apparently, you get your taste back sooner. I don't know. I may have to try that. I don't know, but yeah, I mean, it's I'm, we're, we're moving along. Yeah, definitely glad you're okay though. It's uh, it's a scary thing, so I'm glad you're not any sicker than you already are. Um, Looking forward in the next couple of weeks, we're going to be adding Ryan Breen to the staff. Um, he was going to be on with us, but uh, he had an emergency, a family emergency, so he can't be with us. Um, but looking looking forward to adding him. Some, I, I think at some point before the start of the season, I think he'll be with us. So um, yeah. great addition to the team, really strong writer, uh, really up-and-comer of a, uh, of, a, of a journalist. So looking forward to adding him. Um, but a lot going on in the Oklahoma State front. Um, obviously, we've got conference realignment that we're going to dig into a little bit. Um, we're going to talk the the newest uh, preseason poll that came out on Monday, the Associated Press Top 25. We're going to dig into that a little bit. We're going to talk some basketball. Uh, non-conference schedule has been adjusted to add an opponent. We had a little bit of breaking news with a player getting in trouble over the weekend. We're going to delve into that. Um, we're going to talk a little recruiting. Marshall's going to give us some updates there. We had a uh, one of the one of the top offensive line prospects has set a commitment date. We're going to dig into that. Um, let's go ahead and start off though. Let's go ahead and let's go ahead and do our mailbag now because I know we we put out a question the last time we did a podcast and we forgot all about answering the questions. Uh, and I don't want to do that again. It's been a long day and I hurt my my finger the other day and I've been thinking about that and I don't want to I don't I don't want to forget. So we're just going to go ahead and do it now. 
Um, Marshall, what topic do you want to start on in the mailbag? I'll let you decide. Uh, let's go with some uh, some position with football. Let's go with some football position questions. Okay, uh, so let's start since it's uh, I was already at the bottom of the questions. Let's start with uh, offensive line starters. We'll go left to right and who we think the offensive line starters are going to be. I'll, I'll go first. We'll, we'll start left tackle. I'll go left tackle. You go left tackle, and then we'll work our way down that line. Um, okay. So for the first game, I, overall, I think Caleb Etienne is probably going to be the, the long-term starter at left tackle. But I think for at least the first game, if not – maybe a little bit more, I think you're going to see Taylor Materko start. I think he's earned it. Um, I think with with the way he's progressed during his time in Stillwater um, and with his size, I, I, I think it's game one is probably going to be Taylor Materko. Yeah, I mean, I, I could see uh, – because I mean, that's the, basically my answer too is – Caleb Etienne slash Taylor Materko. Right. Um, and this is, for me, just really just the first game or two because I, I think with what we saw from Etienne um, and, and with his size and stature and, and his skill level, I think he ta- I think I think he takes over for Materko. And I think Materko is a solid choice at left tackle. And it'll, it'll be interesting to see if maybe they, you know, try to move him around a little bit so he can play. But I, I think... Etienne's the long term, but it'll be Materko to start. Yeah, and um, I mean, it's hard to pass up on really either of them because, like you said, Materko has progressed while he's been here, and he has the size and everything. But also, Caleb Etienne is just a freak, yeah. right? So, I mean, they brought him in for that position with the idea that he was going to play early and often. So, um. I mean, those first few games, I mean, is that's what non-conference is for. I mean, you're you're testing things out. You're seeing how people mesh. And, I mean, it might end up being that we do see Caleb Etienne from snap one and maybe Materko's at, rotating at right tackle or something. So, um, but, yeah, we'll go ahead and move on to the next one because that one's pretty pretty similar answer. Yeah, and, and honestly, it's going to be interesting to see – you know, how Caleb Etienne progresses. Um, you know, he shows up into July, beginning of August, um, and, and is definitely learning the ropes. I, physically, he's there. Um, I, I think he just needs to get comfortable with it, and that's why I think, you know, it could be um, – I, I think it could be just a bit. But um, left – and, and I, I think you're right. I think, I think at some point you could see Materko shift over to right tackle. Because I, I think both of those guys are really solid, and and you could see that. Um, left guard for me is a is a is an easy one. the The next three, yeah. the next three, are are locks, and I don't think I don't think there's any way, you know, barring something crazy, knock on wood, that you're going to see a change there. I got Josh Sills at left guard. Yeah, Josh Sills is the left guard, and that's he knows that the coaches know that the players know that the opponents that they'll play in. Week nine, know that. Yeah. So uh, the next two, I think, are going to be the same for both of us. I got Danny Godlewski at center. Yep. And I got Hunter Woodard at right guard. Yeah. I mean, I saw someone earlier. I think it might have been the person that posed this question. Um, 
said uh, Preston Wilson at center. Not mm. that Preston Wilson can't play center. No, it's it's, just, it's Godlevsky, and that and that could have been that just could have been it'll be Danny Godlevsky. That could have been a slip because there's I mean it there's sometimes I forget about Danny Godlevsky. Well, that's what yeah, that's the thing. I might they might have just forgot about because that's what I do because, sometimes. I mean, he is a, he's a transfer. Not everyone knows who he is yet. So, um, I mean, yeah, but it, it'll be it'll be Danny. Yeah. Uh, Hunter Woodard at right guard. I think Hunter mm. is is very very good. Um, I think Hunter, if he if he sticks with the with the progression rate right now, uh, I think Hunter Woodard could make some pretty decent money someday uh, playing football and not just selling autographs. Um, and then le- uh, right tackle, at least for the time being. I don't I don't know what the plan. Like I said, I don't know what the plans are for Taylor Maturko. Um, and I'm not saying that that this guy couldn't beat Maturko out, but I think for at least the time being, you're going to see Jake Springfield uh, at right tackle. Yeah, I mean, I've heard early on, I heard Hunter Anthony. I think I think um, I've heard that too. I, I could see him being a backup or at, yeah, at, think, at least rotating in, you know, but but I, I think Springfield will be the starter. Yeah, I mean, I, um, I mean, we saw Springfield last year go from in about a three-week span go from walk on to scholarship <laughs> to, to starting left tackle. So, <laughs> oh, that um, poor guy. which is like not, I mean, great story, but that's not exactly how you want your offensive line story to like, and if, not if you're in a that coach, short amount of time. It, yeah. If you're a coach, that's not how you want your uh, offensive line story to that's, be going. See, that's a great story. If it takes the, if it takes place over the course of a year, you know, or, yeah. or from January to August, like, Hey, this guy came in as a walk on, he whooped all our defensive lines' asses, you know. Couldn't couldn't stop him. He's earned a scholarship, and and by God, by August fifteenth, he's our starter. But like, you 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 cut two guys from the roster for doing ignorant things before before the start of training camp, and Your then original left tackle medically <laughs> retired. And then you had a retirement for medical reasons, and then you lose two offensive linemen in the first. In the- First, like the first drive or two. Yeah, basically like the first ten snaps <laughs> like, along with your starting quarterback. Oh my god. You go from you go from no one knows who you are to scholarship starter. I mean it's a hell of a story, but um at a position like left tackle. And and that's why when you look at three of our starters, Taylor Maturko, Hunter Woodard, and Jake Springfield, as unfortunate as last season was from an offensive line standpoint. Don't know if you could have asked for a better scenario going into twenty one, because you return a guy like Josh Sills, who who opts back in uh, for another year of eligibility, and then you bring in um, an NFL caliber offensive center in Danny Godlewski, and then you have and, and just these three starters. That's not mentioning you know Hunter Anthony, Tyrese Williams. Uh, Preston Wilson, like you said, uh, like you had mentioned there, uh, you know, you look at all those guys and they got so much experience and so many snaps last year um, that you're looking at these five starters plus the two and three deep. You know, most of those guys got some pretty good snaps. And, you know, going back to what I don't know if you were, um, I don't know if you were in on the Zoom, but I'm sure you've heard it. Um, you go back last week when we talked to L.D. Brown and Hunter Woodard. Um, 
something that Hunter had mentioned with those younger guys, you know, with that competition, he was like, you know, these guys, they all had snaps last year. You know, they, they, they had snaps, they, they, they competed and they got a taste of this level and they do not want to give that up. And so that's driven competition in practice. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of what that's, we talk about that every single time we talk about how last season fell apart for the offensive line, but then it's like, okay, but there is a, a plus. Yeah. Definite great for this year. And yeah, which last year it sucked while you're watching it, but I mean, it, it'll, it pays off. So hopefully it does pay off and we see that it like actually shows, um, progression and everything and that there is competition because competition brings competitiveness and fieriness and everything. So, I mean, I, I think we'll be, I think we'll be good. Absolutely. Uh, let's work our way up this list. Um, kind of talking player status and, and whatnot, uh, status of Shane Illingworth, uh, looks pretty damn good. I, I think, yeah, Shane, I mean, Shane's doing well. I mean, I think he's, I, I mean, from all accounts, he is and looks like what he should look like. As, he is who we thought he was. Yeah, exactly. And, um, the stat, I, I mean, mean, he's the he's the backup. I will say that. As yeah. he, he as, experience, as, ex, as much experience as he got last year, um, as solid as his offseason was and his spring was, Spencer is the starting quarterback. Spencer is the guy that gives you the best chance to win. Um, now I, I will repeat what I've said on my show, uh, multiple times. Spencer will be the starter as long as Spencer allows himself to be the starter. Um, I think with, with what we saw from Shane last year and the progression that we've seen from Shane, I think Spencer had, does not have a long leash. You know, I, I think that if, if you start to see him really struggle with turnovers, um, in, in non-conference or early in conference play. I, I don't, honestly, I don't know. Personally, I don't know how much longer he would be the starting quarterback. Yeah, I mean, that's, and that's something we talked about last year too. I mean, and something we keep saying, like if he plays like he did against Miami, then we're going to win a lot of ball games, right? With the, with the weapons and the receivers Absolutely. and everything that they have available to him now, it's, I mean, if, if he just holds on to the ball in the pocket, like not meaning hold it too long, but right. meaning not, not fumble it. Yeah, if no he's getting sacked, right. If he, if he just maintains ball security and he just gets, just plays catch and just gets the ball to the playmakers, then we'll be fine. I mean, I know I've said this before and some people are going to be, some people are going to think I'm crazy to a degree, but. I think now that Tylen is gone, I think it may fare better for Spencer a little bit because everyone knew with Tylen on the field that most of the time the ball is going to Tylen, yeah. right? If he's if we're throwing it, it more than not we're throwing it to Tylen, right? Correct. So now they don't have a guy that is like the automatic target, right? I mean, it could, we could, like, during the season, we might find out it's Tay Martin. Or we I, I might think, find out I think it's, it's going to develop into Tay Martin. I think it will, too. Just I think because he's going to be playing that position and the way that the offense is run will suit Tay for that. But 
I I also think that having a group of receivers that he can throw to and not necessarily and yes, he had groups in the past. He had Dylan Stoner and Brayden Johnson was still out there and everything. But I think that having a core of receivers regard like instead of just like one or two go-to guys will fare better for Spencer Spencer because what we saw in Miami when they were spreading the ball around he looked like a different player yeah I mean the first 10 10 plays were passes and they drove up and down the field on that first and second drive and just obliterated them so if they can if they can do that and he can play in that way then then it'll be it'll be nice. Yeah, that's and that's what I think too. And and I'm not I'm not trying to you know discount or discredit the other receivers. Um, oh no, because I think because I think Brennan Presley is going to have a really good year. Um, if he stays healthy, I think Langston Anderson could have a really good mm-hmm. year. Um, I think the Green Twins, given the opportunity, yeah. I think they could have a solid year. And obviously, you got think... Brayden Johnson. You've got Jaden Bray. You've got Rashad Owens. Like, and and that's the thing. You know, you go back to you know, I I think Rashad Owens, Rashad Owens very easily could be a breakout player this year. Yeah. Um, I think that Jaden Bray has the potential. Um, I think him and and John Paul Richardson are going to have to wait their turn. Um, but I think you'll see them this year. I I don't know how much. Um, yeah. I mean, I talked to I talked to John Paul. Now this was. Back in June, so I mean, things could have changed with game plans or player plans or whatever. <clears throat> but he had said that the that the I mean, he's been all all four of the freshman receivers were here from the spring, so they've had a little bit extra time to mm-hmm. develop and and the coaches to work with them and everything. And he said that the the plan or the idea was that he would get about like thirty targets, which is a, a good number yeah. for for a true freshman. So now whether, <clears throat> whether that comes to fruition, I, I don't know. I mean, I do think that they are going to be trying to spread the ball around though and use different targets for different things. So, I mean, it's very possible. Well, and but, we've seen, we've seen throughout fall camp, you know, some of the videos, you know, of, you know, Jaden Bray making some plays and, mm-hmm. you know, John Paul Richardson's made some plays. And, and if you go to pokesreport.com the past three or four days, we've had exclusive practice reports that you won't find anywhere else. Um, and, and it details some of those plays. Um, so, I mean, I, I, I'm with you. I mean, you definitely have younger guys. And all of them showing up in the spring is, is very beneficial. Um, yeah. And I, and I think you will see them. Um, so that's I, – I, I'm with you. I think that not having Tylen is, is – well, it'll benefit – Spencer, and obviously it's it's tough to replace a receiver like that, um, but it, it it's I think it'll certainly allow him to open up his playbook a little bit. Yeah. Um, now you go and back, I, and I also think it'll it will it, defenses will not be keyed in onto one guy as right. much, <clears throat> or they won't they won't be able to cheat one way towards like a Thailand side of the field mm-hmm. it now like I said it may get to a point where we have that during a season like during this season if Tay Martin does become that guy or sure. if someone is a guy like that but I mean I would also have to say that 
<clears throat> I mean, Oklahoma State always has great receivers. Yeah. But I don't know, and I mean, I haven't been here for very long. But just off the top of my head, I cannot think of a deeper wide receiver room in a while. When you're talking about four true freshmen possibly playing, plus pretty much every scholarship. I mean, you're talking about every scholarship receiver having a legit shot at a considerable number of snaps and, and targets. Yeah, it's just unfortunate that it's that most of it, you know, 90% is unproven. You know, we, we, saw, right. Tay, we saw Tay Martin produce at Washington State, um, but he came in last year out of shape, you know, and I think, and honestly, I don't even know how much of it was physical. Um, I, I tend to believe that I think a lot of it was mental. I think he expected that he was going to come in and, and he was going to be the guy, and well, and you got Tylen Wallace. There aren't there aren't many receivers in this in in Division One college football that's going to come in and replace Tylen Wallace if he's healthy. Um, and it's just unfortunate that Tay Martin played that position. So um, I think he expected to come in and be the guy, and that wasn't the case. So we didn't see anything from him. Um, Brennan Presley earned snaps late. You know, he, he scored a, a rushing touchdown against Kansas State and multiple uh, touchdowns against uh, Miami. He had that breakout game, but you lost your production. You know, you lose Tylen Wallace. You lose Dylan Stoner. Um, you saw some production in the Texas Bowl from Braden Johnson a few years ago, but he played behind people. You know, Langston Anderson's been injured. You got a lot of young guys like you mentioned, so it's un- it's unfortunate that that depth is inexperienced, but the talent is there, and I'm I'm looking forward to it. And I think I think Spencer's going to do well. Um, kind of part two of, of that question is is Shane going to play at all this year? Yeah, I think he'll play. Um, I think he'll play at least one quarter of the Missouri State game. Um, and honestly, I think he could play. A, I think he could play a majority of the second half against Missouri State. Um, depends on what happens against Tulsa, but I think you could see him against Tulsa a little bit. Um, I think there's a pretty damn good chance you'll see him against Kansas. <laughs> yeah, that's going to happen. Um, if Spencer stays healthy and Spencer, may, if he, if he had like the progressions that he's told everyone about and what we've all heard from the spring, if that happens and he plays well and he stays healthy, you're going to see Spencer at starting quarterback all year. Um, but I think you will see Shane at at some points. Yes, um, I agree. I mean, I think I think it'll be your typical like when you should see a backup quarterback. I, I mean, hopefully we don't have any crazy injuries again or anything like that, and that it's like a natural reason to come in not forced or mm-hmm. kind of just like a like an oh crap moment send them in but it's a we're winning I mean, and you need experience moment yeah exactly um there's there's two more parts and i and i think both of these play into each other um so i don't think it'll take that long chances of him transferring Zero. Uh, I was gonna say pretty slim. This is this is Shane's team, and I I think it'll probably be his team next year. Um, and, I, mean, I mean, I had a conversation with him about it. It was um, back in June at the uh, um, what was the camp called? Uh, uh one at the uh, the uh, freak the, show. The yeah, the freak show. Thank you. Um, they were on the field, and the co- like the players were uh, helping the 
players who were in the camp and everything and he was uh he was working with Garrett Rangel and I walked past him and I was like what's up Shane he was like you know it's like nothing just uh helping out the future quarterback you know just getting him right and uh he kind of laughed and I was like I was like well they've got this thing set up like set up to where it's a like a nice line of succession for for everyone and uh and I kind of looked at him and smiled and I was like right we got like this, this is how we're gonna do that and, and uh he was like he was like bro my family's here I ain't going anywhere and he kind of laughed so um yeah I mean he's he's locked in mentally I mean he he uh I mean he he knows how college football works yeah. and I mean that sometimes that's how it how it works you have to wait your you have to wait your time sometimes so and I mean, and I mean, with COVID, he didn't lose any eligibility. Yep. So he's not. It's not like it's he's not a like sophomore. It's, yeah, he's not losing any part of his career or anything like that. So, I mean, plus he can still, I think, technically redshirt this year. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, yeah, if he plays yeah, less than four games, yeah, he could redshirt this year. Yeah, he's not. He's not worried about anything. No, this this is his team. You know, I mean. He's he's the future of the quarterback room. Now, how the that that second part, how long will he sit? I think it'll depend on Spencer, obviously. I mean, if if Spencer comes out this year um and and just blows the doors off like he thinks he could, um if if he did make the progressions throughout the spring and and he's able to make that transition, it depends on whether or not Spencer comes back next year. You know, and that's and that's yeah, what, I mean, he, and that's what's going to be interesting. If he, just, if he goes nuts, and and I'm not predicting that. I'm I'm not sitting here saying that Spencer's going to go out and you know at, at some point is going to be in you know the like Davy O'Brien conversations or you know I'm not hot, saying you're going to have a Joe Burrow season. Yeah, going from like uh, some people like where people question him to being number one pick. I'm just saying that he there's I mean it's possible he could have a let's just say a, a Kyle Trask esque to where he kind of like one season people are like, yeah, okay. Like he had some flashes here and there, but then he has a, a strong season mm-hmm. and he comes out in a mid round pick. So, yeah. I mean, that's possible. I mean, if he gets some NFL love, then I mean, it's possible he, he heads that direction and then Shane takes over. Or, I mean, if, Spencer did come back. I'm not sure what the dynamic would be. Or yeah, and that's and that's what's going to be weird because a third year. That's that's where I'm not going to envy the coaching staff because a third year Shane Illingworth. I understand that he might be a redshirt sophomore. I would find it hard not to play a third year Shane Illingworth. Yeah, that 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 would be a tough decision. Um, but it's it's all dependent. This this year is it right? It all depends on on whether or not Spencer turns the corner. Because if Spencer turns the corner, then he's obviously going to have a better chance at playing professional football than he would if he just has an average year. And if he just has an average year, I think I think you'll see Shane next year. You know, if he just if he goes out there and and let's just say he does what he did last year with less turnovers, then then I think you'll see Shane next year. Um, but I, I I fully expect Spencer to take take that take that that leap. You, you know, he's yeah. the, if he goes out there and plays like he did against Miami 
um, with a with another full off season and another full spring with uh, the first full spring with Tim Rattay, you know, and 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 physically and mentally progressed. I I think he I think he's going to have a pretty solid year. So, um, let's see, let's see, let's see, let's scroll back up. Uh, who's going to be the breakout running back and receiver this year? Running back, man, that's weird. That's a that's. I, mean, a, I think I think by definition, the breakout running back is going to be Jalen Warren. Absolutely, I, I think it'll be. I think LD's the starter, um, and I think I think before we get to conference play, I think you'll see Jalen Warren taking a bulk of those second string snaps, and that's what's weird is I think Dez is really good. I think Dez is a very powerful and. And also a shifty back. I think he's, you know, he has a, a weird dynamic about him that he can do multiple multiple styles. Um, I think Dominic Richardson is still he's very good, but he still needs to earn his snaps. Um, we know what we're gonna get with LD. So yeah, breakout running back. I'm gonna have to go with Jalen Warren, um, receiver Tay Martin, uh, and that's and and that's just because we didn't see him last year. Um, but I think Tay is going to be wide receiver number one, and I think um, I think Tay Martin could have a really good year. I'm I, I'll I'll go I'll mimic what I said on radio. I, I'm not saying that Tay's going to go out and win a Belitnikov. You know, I, I'm not predicting that he's going to go and put up you know 11, 12 plus hundred yards. Um, but I, I think Tay Martin could have a really good year. So for me, running back Jalen Warren, receiver Tay Martin. Yeah, I mean that would pretty much be. Mine as well. I mean, for because we know for, what we're going to get with Brennan Presley, and I think Brennan Presley has a really, really good year, but we don't know what Tay Martin is. Right, and I mean, along with Tay Martin, because I think he, I think he is the breakout receiver this year. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think you could throw the Green Twins in there as well. I really I, hope I Langston Anderson as well. Yeah, Langston's another one. I would that, love to see him play this year. Yeah, he's – I mean, it hadn't been lack of talent that kept no. him on, off the field. Which is just so unfortunate, you know, because it all started um, with a car wreck the summer before he showed up. Um, you know, he, he gets into a car wreck after his senior season and, and shows up with a with a busted leg and is is just hurt for the, for the next, you know, two years. And and that and that's not that. There's various other injuries, but um, he just wasn't healthy, and that's so unfortunate because I think Langston Anderson has a chance um, of being a real, you know, just fitting into that typical Oklahoma State dominant receiver role. Yeah, and and so I mean, there's there's like I mean, we just we were just mentioning it. The wide receiver room is absolutely very, stacked, very deep. So. Um, is there any chance Illingworth gets to start by week four or five? Yeah, I mean, if Spencer's hurt, yeah, he'll start. Um, but I I think Spencer uh, – and, and again, like I mentioned, if, if Spencer doesn't have it, if he's if he's just doing what he did last year and he's turning the ball over, then maybe. Um, but I'm going to go with no. I don't, I don't think Illingworth gets to start by week four or five. Um, honestly, if if Spencer stays healthy, I don't think, I don't think Shane starts at all this year. Um because I think it's Spencer's job, and and I think he, I I think he'll make that transition. Now we need to see if that happens, um, but I don't I don't think I, I think everything happens in Spencer's favor if he stays healthy and Illingworth does not start this year. Yeah, I mean I I don't see if 
if Spencer's healthy and I mean, and, and the offense is playing how they have been in the spring and the mm-hmm. fall and everything, I don't see, um, I don't see Shane making, making a scheduled start. Correct. Um, now this is the one I, I was really looking forward to getting to, um, because it's it's something that I am very I'm very high on the defense this year. I am I am so ecstatic to see what this defense can do. Um, Royal John comes at us with uh, the 2020 defensive stats. It roughly three sacks a game, four pass breaks up a game, pass breakups a game. Um, their third down uh, third down defense was they allowed roughly 26 and a half, 27 percent uh, conversion rate. Uh, they allowed little over four yards a carry, um, and their pass defense was 57.8% quarterback completion rate. So what we're going to do, using those numbers, we're going to go over-under prediction for each of those stats. And I'll let you go first. So sacks, they had three sacks a game in 2020, over or under in 21? Ooh. I'll go with slightly over. Uh-huh. Like, like it'll be. I, still, I think it'll be like three point something, yeah. right? Because more than that is that's tough. That's I mean, a big one. That's. I mean, three is already a good number. But I will. The only reason I'm going to say a tad bit more, which I mean, I don't know. I don't necessarily know that it'll even be like noticeable in a game that it's like three point four sacks versus three sacks a game, mm-hmm. right? Um. But the only reason that I say that is because you didn't lose a whole lot on the the pass rushing department. You do you did lose Calvin Bundage, who was a disruptor, absolutely. Um, but you you bring back a healthy Trace Ford yep. by like week two, right? So week two or three, and but you 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 bring in Colin Oliver and Nathan Latou, and I think both of them are going to be in the rotation, and they're pretty dominant. So you have you have more speed rushers this year, and you still have dominant big guys in the middle. So I think that they'll have just a little bit more production, um, but I don't necessarily know that it'll be like – I don't think it's going to be something crazy like five sacks a game or something. Yeah, um, I, I'm kind of with you on that. I don't know if you're. Gonna I think see... they may have. I think they may have games where they've got like five or six sacks, but I don't know if they'll average that. Yeah, I, I don't. I don't really see it being too much more than three. Um, I think you know Trace Ford is going to be a problem once he's back, fully healthy. Uh, he's healthy, but you know he's once he's right. fully back. Um, I think Nathan Latou could be pretty solid. I think Tyler Lacey is, is going to be a yeah. menace on that other side. Um, it's going to be interesting to see what the linebackers do. You know, there's talk of, of more zone. Um, now, I don't think more zone is going to be like a drastic change from man, um, but I think you'll see more zone. So how will that affect, um, you know, could Devin Harper or um, Mason Cobb play an impact there? You know what's your what's your interior going to look like? You know, is Brendan Evers and Brock Martin they, are they going to be a factor at all, plugging up holes and allowing the ends or the backers to get around? Um, I'm with you. I think that you could have a game where you're you know you're you're bringing in four, five, um, God forbid, six sacks a game. You know, I think you could have individual games like that, but I, I think anywhere between 
three and three seven three eight a game. I, yeah. I think is I think is pretty doable. Um, pass breakups at four. I'll take. I'll, I'll let you go first on this. Um, but I I I know what I'm gonna do. Um, see, that's another tough one because I mean that's a that's a pretty good clip. So like, that's a pretty good number. Um, uh, I'll go with I'll go with over because I think. I think we're going to see Trey Sterling just go crazy. Yep. I think, I think Trey Sterling is going to have a career high in interceptions. And I mean, Colby already is ball hawk. So yeah, yeah, I think the safeties, I mean, I think the safeties might end up having more interceptions in the corners just out of play style. But I mean, we, we don't know what like Muhammad or black might do with their hands, but Mm -hmm. then you've got, Bernard and Christian Holmes, like that, are on the ed- that are on the edges. So I mean, yeah, I'll go with, I'll go with, I'll go with over. I'll I'll go with the over as well. And and again, just like the sacks, I'm not saying they're going to have six or seven a game, um, but you look at the progression of Trey Sterling, and I think Colby's going to have a better year uh, than he did last year. And that's not saying he had a horrible year, but it was a down year compared to 19. Um, you look at Tanner McAllister, I think he's greatly improved. You look at the guys behind them, you know, you look at, I think Jason Taylor is going to play a, play a role this year. Um, like you mentioned, you know, Jark back there, um, Kanayan Williams, I think is, is, is more improved. Uh, Thomas Harper, you know, I think, I think Thomas Harper is set for a really, really good year. And like you mentioned the the young guys and, uh, Muhammad and black, you know, what are they going to do? Uh, the corners, you know, you got like you said, Jarek, and then uh, and then Christian Holmes. So I would, I would, I would take the over. I, not like I said, not six or seven. I, I, you now, I just like with sacks. I think there will be games where you're having, you know, five, six, seven, eight pass breakups a game, but I don't think they'll average it. Um, we gotta go. We gotta we gotta speed things up. I just missed a call from Robert. Uh, third down uh, defense, they allowed 26.5% completion. I, I think it's probably going to be right around the same, um, probably right around the same number. I'll probably push. Um, it'll be interesting to see the slack, how it's picked up from Amen Ogbamba-Miga leaving. You know, how does Devin Harper fill that role? Um, but I think, their, I think their third down conversion is, is going to be pretty good this year. Yeah, I mean, it was number one in the country. Yeah. So, by a pretty hard, decent amount. Yeah, I mean, that's hard to. I mean, let's, I'm just gonna go probably off the basis that, um, the number one would probably be in like the same range next year, right? Yeah, probably not um, much better if it is at all. Right. So, I don't know how easy it would be to go back to back number one. Um. So on that one, I'll say that maybe they don't do as good of a number there, but like not saying that they're gonna like nuke the whole operation on right. that. Just what were they at? Like twenty seven? What twenty six and a half? Twenty six and a half. I think it's okay, gonna be they're at, right around. I think maybe they're number. like twenty nine thirty. Like I mean, if they're if they don't meet their last year's same number, I think it's like only a couple percentage different, right? Yeah. I mean, that's at the point where you're talking about like three or four more that you didn't you allow than the season before. Right? I don't think yeah. we're talking 
crazy numbers here. I no, think. and God forbid. I mean, thirty percent. One, I don't think it. If it is higher, I don't. I don't think it's much higher than thirty percent. And I, I'm going to have to say that there's not many coaches in this in the country that would would you know frown at thirty percent. Yeah, would settle. Um, yeah, and I think that that plays right into rush defense. Um, I think I, I think you're probably going to see something pretty similar. I think the defensive line is is probably better than they were last year. Now, obviously, you lose Cam Murray, and that's that's a loss. That's that's a big loss out of the middle. Um, but I think you look at Brendan Evers, you look at Colin Oliver, or excuse me, Colin Clay. Um, you look at Samuel Atui Halamaka. Um, Jaden Jernigan is bigger than he was last year, and he was he was pretty solid last year. Um, I, I would have, I don't think, I'll just say, I think that their rush is under five yards of carry. Oh yeah. Easily. I'm not so. going to say, I'm not, I'm not going to say that it's, it's going to be too much better than the four, one, 4.1 yards they gave up last year, but I don't think, I don't know if it's more, you know, I, I'm not definitely not more than five. I'll say it's somewhere in between three, eight and like four. Four, four. Yeah, at the, at like, the like highest. Somewhere in there. Yeah. At the highest. Um, pass defense, I think, is is going to be – it might be better than it was last year. You know, they gave up just about 58% completion. Um, I think the second even – with, even without Rodarius, because if you look at what Rodarius did last year, Rodarius was pretty good, but he wasn't targeted a lot because of how good he the, – the, you know, the, the improvements that he made. Um, and I think this secondary has a chance of being one of the best in the country. So I'll, I, I think I'll, I'll take under 57. Yeah, I'll go with under. I'm feeling like a, I'm feeling like a 52% yeah, or 52, something. I don't, I don't know why. Just something, you know, which is a really, really good number. So John, if you're wondering, we're taking, we're mostly taking unders. <laughs> and then over I mean, it yeah overs where it well, matter and under yeah, where it matters over is where it's good and unders where it's good yeah 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 yeah, yeah. Uh, okay let's see let's scroll back down and 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 take my take my time going back up um this is uh, this is more of a football question so I'll I'll defer to you uh before we answer the basketball question what are some of the silliest reasons you know of that have caused recruits to decommit from a school? Um, well, this kind of goes both ways of a goofy reason on the side of the school. Sure. This isn't necessarily Oklahoma State. This is just anybody. Um, the school well, and if you take players. An, if you take a visit after you committed without permission. Well, without permission. My first reason was going to be lying. Um, and that goes for the school and the player. Um, Oklahoma state had one where it was the player. Yeah. Um, now I'm sure all of you can understand who that is. It was a West West Texas school. If you're curious. uh, Yeah. He's, he, it is, it is not this recruiting class. It is not the class of 2022. He got embarrassed. He got embarrassed as a freshman. When, he, when they played Oklahoma State. He played Oklahoma State as a true freshman. <laughs> Got embarrassed. Yeah, so. There you go. Do with that what ridden, you will. Good riddance on him. Um, and then some of the other reasons. Um, For me, the it, it's silly. I mean, it benefited Oklahoma State, but an analyst leaving. 
Yeah, analysts leaving. Because analysts don't really have anything to once, you know, they, they don't really have anything to do with a player. So that that to me was was a silly and I'm glad it worked out. I mean, obviously it 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 helped Oklahoma I mean, State. We, we probably got a future all Big 12 player out of it. Yeah, but that that to me that when it comes to my like that's that, a, that was an odd, that was an odd one. At yeah, the time, yeah, very very um, out of the blue. Yeah, and, and I'm not dis and I'm not dis- and I'm not discounting it. I mean, if if you don't feel it, you don't feel it. But that that was a strange one to me because it was just so rare. Right. Um, another goofy reason for a decommitment is uh, a relationship. Or a girlfriend or something. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, I've seen that one. Um, I'll tell you the goofiest one or the one that I think is just the dumbest. Um, when a parent tries to force yeah. where you're going. Yeah, that pisses that. me off. I'm not a fan of that. We've seen that a few times. Yeah, we've yeah, I've seen that at like several different schools where parents are just so um what's the word controlling manipulative controlling but yeah manipulate yeah they're trying to domineering they're trying to live vicariously their their dream life through their kid so they're trying to basically go through their recruitment for them and which i mean there's nothing wrong with a parent being involved in a recruitment that's not what i'm saying i'm talking when like a kid either commits somewhere or is thinking about committing somewhere and a, a mom or a dad is just so helicopterish over that kid that they not almost guilt trip them into not doing what the kid wants to do or making them feel bad for wanting to do something. I think that's the dumbest thing that I've ever seen. Absolutely. But then just kind of like actually silly, goofy stuff. Um, uh, oh, just go um silly goofy stuff probably the relationships or um i've seen people decommit because of weather but i'm not even gonna i'm not even gonna lie i probably i'd probably do that too um just if it's too cold somewhere i'm i'm not going um but kind of moving on into the the next um segment here i mean we're we're going to talk some recruiting and i know that not a whole lot has happened in the recruiting world with Oklahoma state recently, which I mean, I don't, I'm not going to say it's by design, but I mean, they're okay with it right now because they've got the bulk of their class in. I mean, you've got your, you've got your quarterback of the future. You've got two stud running backs. You've got a really good group of wide receivers. You've got, I mean, they need to work on the offensive line and they need to come bolster up the defensive line but they're done at corner. They're not taking any safeties. Um, really, the only positions that they need to keep recruiting are the offensive line. You've got one committed in Austin Kowecki, um, and you need to make sure he stays committed because he just got an offer from from uh, Auburn, it was, I believe. And, I mean, we've seen how the SEC attracts. Yes, so. it does. That's something they need to kind of keep on. No, I haven't. I, I have no reason to believe that Austin would actually leave. But you get you get my point. Um, I mean, when the people are still being recruited and they're still talking to schools. Yeah, you can't you can't uh, stay comfortable in you, the commitment. You can't. Yeah, you don't want to etch anything in stone. Um, but I mean, I I feel good about all of their recruits they have right now. Um, 
And then just as far as targets for some of those positions they need, I mean, Deshaun Brown at defensive line, I think is a healthy one to pencil in Mm -hmm. for, for the defensive line. And then, I mean, offensive line Tyrone Weber is an interesting one to, to keep an eye on the New Mexico military um, Juco kid. So I know they like him. They're looking for some tackles, some long bodies. So, um, I mean, I like him. And then, I mean, they're probably going to take another linebacker, right? The good thing about these positions is when there's a lot of them on a field, right? In the college level, there's going to be a lot of them on the field at the high school level. Yeah. So you can still, you can still find them. If this was a quarterback that you're still looking for, you've got a problem. Well, it's like what you talked about with, you know, if these were a running back, you've got an issue, but at least we're talking about positions that come in groups. So somewhere out there, you can find two to three division one level talent that maybe even haven't even hit a Maybe they haven't hit a growth spurt yet. That's that's what I was going to say. You go back to the spring yet. You know, most like you were saying, there's a there's a lot of offensive linemen, offensive and defensive linemen, that really start to blossom the their senior season. Yes. So it's so, not out of the realm of possibility that Oklahoma State land. You know, there. What you, when you when you wrote that Kawiki piece, you were saying what three or four probably pieces that they're that they're looking to take this year. It's not right. out of the realm of possibility. You see bunch of offers come out in the fall and and commitments coming from guys that aren't even on the radar yet now it's yeah not, I mean, it, it's probably not you know you're, you're probably not going to land you know these all-american type players but the, they're going to be guys that that you need to develop for a couple of years that could be really solid players they just haven't developed i mean a good a good example can you still hear me yeah absolutely okay um, a good example would be Silas Barr. Yeah, for sure. Year. For sure. I mean, when, when they recruited him or when they offered him, he was committed to UNT, right? So a, a, I mean, a smaller school, um, one that still has good players and everything, but right. I mean, he's not power to UNT, five, right. But he was a bit under recruited. And I mean, at the time he was a bit like undersized. He was being recruited as someone that would be recruited to UNT, right? I mean, or a, or a school like that. So Oklahoma State found him. They they liked his technique. They liked kind of everything about him. They just knew that he was going to have to get bigger. And so what did they do when he came in in the, the spring? They got him bigger. They kind of grew him to, to fit what they needed him to be instead of finding one in high school that was ready because – they weren't looking to bring in a true freshman to start immediately. Right. So, I mean, why would you try to find one that was like at that point in the, in the process, they didn't need that. So they weren't desperate to try and force something. Right. So they were like, you know what, we can take our time with a kid like this. We can put our process into his growth and that's exactly what he did and he has grown tremendously since the time he's been here yeah so i mean that's that's what they're going to try to do with some of these guys because i mean we just talked about the offensive line a little while ago and how they do have a lot of depth now and how there's a lot of people that are very capable of playing right now so they can afford to kind of go through the process with some of the younger guys yeah and i and i think that 
that that's another area that I'm really looking forward to. You know, it, I, I'm excited about the defense, right? I'm, I'm I think the defense is going to have a really good year, um, but I'm I'm really excited to see what this offensive line can do. I mean, I, you're going to see a lot of youth getting rotated in, but it's a lot of youth that that saw some some significant playing time last year and has greatly improved from when they were first on campus. So um, definitely looking forward to that, and I'm, I'm excited to see uh, just how they grow. Um, last question here, and it's a basketball question. B.J. McDonald, my guy B.J., went to school with B.J. I could probably take him in basketball, and he knows that's the truth. Um, uh-huh. Most intriguing player for a breakout year in basketball, not named – Avery or Bryce because I was leaning towards Bryce Thompson um, a better situation he hopefully could stay healthy um, so if I'm if I'm looking oh man it's either gonna be I got two and I'm, I'm gonna give you two I'm not gonna pick one because I think both of these guys um, I think both of these guys could play a pretty significant role this year. Um, I, I, Rondell Walker, you know, with, with what we saw from him last year as a freshman, um, you know, wasn't the most productive player on the roster, um, but came in pretty clutch in, in moments last year. Um, he had 12 double digit games, you know, double digit scoring games. He averaged, um, just about eight points a game. Um, that's second among the freshmen. Uh, shot 33% from three last year. Um, who, who was number one among the freshmen? Uh, <laughs> I don't know. I'm not sure. Uh, some guy that is making millions of dollars now. He's I, it, it, The guy's not even here anymore, all right? Dude's, <laughs> dude, dude's not it, even on it, campus. Does it happen to be the dude that made seven threes in an NBA game the other night? It's possible. It's possible that that, that it was uh, a future NBA All-Star. Recorded 1.2 steals a game. And if you're curious, that's 11th among all Big 12 players. Um, And 35 total steals on the year. Just missed out the all-time top five list for Oklahoma State freshmen. Uh, That's third on the team this this past year. So um, I'm going to go with Rondell. I I, I don't know if he's going to have... Um, an Avery Anderson-esque improvement from freshman to sophomore. But we saw what Avery did, you know, from his freshman to sophomore year. Almost single-handedly um, won that West Virginia game at the end of the year without Cade and Ice. And I, I understand. It's a team game. And Kayla played a role, and Emma played a role, and Rondell played a role. But Avery, you know, Avery won that game and put himself on the map. So um, I, I like Rondell. And, and honestly... Um, I, I'm gonna go with another another soon to be sophomore. Uh, well, I guess he's a sophomore on Monday. Um, I'm gonna go with 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 Ma. I'm gonna go with Matthew Alexander. Um, needs to mature, right? Needs to needs to mature. Um, needs to get needs to slow down a little bit. Um, got a little antsy last year and and had some some silly fouls, which turned into silly turnovers. Um. But average nine points and five point three rebounds a game as a freshman, um, played really really well. I think I think Ma could be one of the breakout players this year. It's going to be interesting to see how it happens, um, because you bring a guy in like Musa Cisse, 
um, the AAC freshman of the year from Memphis, uh, former five-star. You know, he was a five-star in the same class as Bryce Thompson was. Um, so the potential on this team, and that's where it's interesting because the potential on this team this year is really high. Um, Rondell has a has a really good chance. Avery, if he continues, you look at Musa, he's got a, a really good chance to improve. Bryce Thompson, I think he's in a better situation. He stays healthy. I think Bryce could have a, a really solid year. Bryce Thompson, that is. Um, I, I it, It's interesting to see where... MA is going to fit in. Same with Musa. Same with Caleb. Um, but but those are my two. I don't know if you want to. I don't know if you want to to give one. Um, but my breakout players, not named uh, Avery or Bryce, would be Rondell Walker and Matthew Alexander. So I'll go. I'll go a different route just for the sake of it, right? Um, I mean, part of me, like would want to think Musa Cisse, but yeah. I'm not going to go there because I mean, he's already, I don't, I don't know if he's, I don't know if technically he'd count as a breakout guy still because he was a conference freshman of the year already at a different conference, but I'll, I'm going to go with, Oh gosh. I would allow it because the big 12 is drastically different than the AAC. Yeah. And it's not like he ever, I mean, it was what seven and seven. So, I mean, it's not like he averaged, you know, 14, 15 a game. So, I'm going to go with – I'm going to go with two ones here. And these are just kind of like I want this for the the people that they are. You're making a business decision, aren't you? Not a minute, half. (laughs) Half of one. But, my well, my first answer was going to be Chris Harris. Okay. Right? Because – I mean, we've seen him play stellar defense at times, right? We have not really seen the offense take off as like he played in high school, right? In high school, he was he was considered, I mean, a scorer, right? He was a good shooter, but I mean, his defense has been has been great when he's been healthy, right? Mm-hmm. But he's messed up the knee a couple times, pretty serious, so he's missed good chunks of both of his two seasons here, right? So, I mean, that's – I feel bad for him there. So, I just hope that – it may not be a breakout in terms of, like, what the fans would consider – like, general fans would consider a breakout. I'm not saying he's going to go – he's going to average, like, 12 and 8, for right? Sure. I mean, I'm not – that's what I'm saying. But maybe just a, a breakout – personal breakout if that makes sense yeah you know just stay healthy where you're productive you are a part of the rotation um and then the other one would be um would be kind of a similar thing another injury guy would be donovan williams i mean in high school the dude averaged 30 points a game was considered an elite shooter we he played i think a total of like four minutes last year and I mean, if he stays healthy and they can, he can figure out his shot. I mean, I mean, the, the basketball around where he's at is not just pushover basketball. I mean, right. he was playing some pretty good people. So, I mean, if he can figure out his shot and stay healthy himself, I would, then, lo- I would love to see Donovan stay healthy. I mean, if if he's one of those guys, I mean, you don't, you're not going to need him to. 
be the drive face. And you're not going to need him to, to be in the paint, right? And you don't need him to be the, the top guy. But if he's one of those shoot – like, if he's one of those catch-and-shoot guys that can be your just spot-up drain-a-three guy, then – I mean, every team needs one of those, yeah. one or two of those, right? Absolutely. So, I mean, you've got – You've got Avery and Ice that can that can handle the ball from anywhere. I mean, you've got Musa now and, and Caleb down in the paint. You've got your speed guys. You've got your power guys. Now, why not just get a dude to just catch it and let it fly? So, I mean, with the news with Bryce Williams, we'll touch on. I mean, we might I mean we might need another three point guy. Yeah, um, and that's and that's what I was going to mention. Um, so yeah, I, I, mean, I, I I'll think go with, I'll go with Chris and Donovan just for their personal success or personal breakout. Well, and I, I would, I, I, we don't know what he has, right? I mean, he got hurt pretty, pretty soon into his right. tenure at Oklahoma state. Um, I would love to see Donovan, you know, stay healthy and figure it out because I think Donovan could, I think he could be a guy. I think he could, he could, he could play that role. Um, and as you mentioned, he might have to, um, if he stays healthy, uh, Jacob Unner of the Oklahoman reported, um, right around three o'clock or three fifteen, three twenty. um, Bryce Williams, senior guard, uh, was arrested early Sunday morning, uh, after he was pulled over by a campus police officer, uh, suspected he was driving drunk. Um, I, I reached out to the university and they confirmed they are aware of the, since, uh, this, the incident of what happened. Uh, they're currently in a fact gathering phase, but they declined to give me a statement. Um, Williams was charged Monday morning in the Payne County district court, uh, with a misdemeanor operating a motor vehicle while under the influence of intoxicating liquor. Honestly, I think he's, he's pretty lucky that that's, that that's all it was. Um, and that that no one got hurt. I mean, this this is a situation where um, I was pretty stupid. If if I'm being honest, I'm 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 not judging parties, right? You wanna you wanna drink? I enjoy a good drink every once in a while, and and if you want to stay up late, that's cool. Um, but it's like my mom said, uh, nothing really good happens after midnight, and that's the case here. Yeah, I mean, it it. I mean, that's, it's never a good situation, regardless whether it's a regular student, an athlete. Yeah, and I'm not saying that it's it's unfortunate because it's just an athlete. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, we we like I said, I condemn all drunk driving. Yeah, they're still in a fact gathering thing, so I mean, I, I'm not sure what will happen. Um, yeah, and that's going to be interesting because there there have been scenarios. Uh, you go back a few years, uh, and the program was riddled with with legal incidents, um, and so I don't. Uh, yeah, it's it's going to be really interesting to see how Boynton handles this once the once the news uh, gets officially recognized and addressed. Yeah, so I mean, is it possible that it's in a, a suspension of a certain amount of games, or is he just like? kicked off or like i mean we we don't know and i don't want to speculate anything right um but i mean i i would say that right now i guess anything is on the table um so i mean we'll we'll keep it 
we will keep the Pokes Report viewers, yeah, readers, yeah, and yeah, listeners we'll, we'll keep abreast. Their, keep our eyes open for anything that could. I guess. I mean, I guess this is the kind of thing that any update could come at any time. I guess we we will keep people abreast of the situation because it's 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 interesting, you know, because uh, I I don't like you said I don't want to speculate because it's one of those situations where it could be a suspension. Um, and it might not be a suspension and, you know, what punishment gives off what, uh, what look, you know what I mean? So it's, it, it's going to be interesting to see how Boynton handles this. Um, like you said, I, I don't want to speculate, so I don't want to get too deep into it, but, uh, but yeah, Bryce Williams, senior guard. Um, and this was a, this was pretty big, um, because Bryce came in last year and took a back seat to Cade. Um, I mean, still averaged, you know, seven points a game. Um, started roughly 19 of the final 21 games for him. Um, and this this was going to be a year, and, and like like it still could be, um, but this was going to be a year where where Bryce was set to, to play a much larger role in the absence of Cade Cunningham. So, um it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting to see because it's a Boynton decision, you know, and it's I, I'm guessing it's a it's a university decision as well with the with the conduct office they have, um, so it's gonna be interesting to see how they handle this, um, and and what comes of that. So, uh, but yeah, that that came out Monday afternoon, and and like I said, I'll, I'll keep an eye on things, and we will keep the Pokes report. Uh, viewers and readers and listeners apprised of the situation because it's going to be interesting to see how it plays out. Um, staying with basketball, uh, it was announced on my, on Monday. Um, so the Bryce Williams news was announced on Tuesday because it's Tuesday. My week is weird. I don't know where I'm at. <laughs> I don't know where I'm at. Um Wichita State announced their non-conference schedule on Monday, for sure Monday, I know that. Um, and then December 1st, uh, Wichita State will be in Stillwater. Uh, they'll play the Cowboys uh, in a non-conference game. Um, Oklahoma, Oklahoma State's non-conference schedule is shaped up pretty pretty nice. You know, it was announced that uh, they were going to be playing in the uh, the College Basketball Hall of Fame uh, Invitational Tournament up in uh, – up at the Mohegan Sun in Connecticut, they play uh, U- UMass Lowell and NC State, and not great. You know, they got Texas R- UT Arlington and Oakland out of Detroit, you know, Prairie View A and M, Charleston. So I mean, not the not the strongest non conference schedule, um, but they got Oral Roberts. You know, they're probably not going to be the same Oral Roberts as last year, but pretty solid. You had Xavier coming in for the Big Twelve Big East battle. You, you uh, you'll play USC in Oklahoma City. That's Southern California. That's going to be a really good game. And you go to Florida. You know that's a really solid non-conference. And you add Wichita State. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if you saw at maybe one more non-conference game added. Um, I could see a non-conference game added between December fifth and the twenty-first um, before conference play gets underway. Uh, underway. So, but yeah, I like it. I like playing Wichita State. That's a Solid non-conference opponent, and it's uh, honestly for me, it's someone who Oklahoma State should play every single year. Yeah, I, I mean, it's uh, it makes sense geographically, and absolutely, I mean, it's gonna be. It's not just like a a pushover program, right? So, um, 
yeah, I mean, I, I like the way that they shape up the non-conference um, to where it's you should go in undefeated to the to conference play while also getting a couple games of competitiveness and some competition that you may have to learn how to win in different ways. So I think that's a a smart thing to do before you go into conference play because it's uh, it's hard to win in this league. Yeah, I think I think USC is going to be tough. Um, it'll be interesting to see what Xavier brings to the table. Is this going to be a Xavier of old or a Xavier of the past couple of years? I think that'll be a, a, at least a solid game. Florida is going to be tough. I think Florida is going to be the most competitive, uh, difficult non-conference game that they have. Um, so I'll just, I, I, I like the additions. I like the fact, uh, and uh, it, it's like I said, uh, on my show this afternoon, Oklahoma state's going to be just fine when it comes to RPI. It's a it's a solid non these you know the 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 latter half of the non conference schedule your Oral Roberts Wichita State Xavier USC Florida um, hopefully makes up for your UMass Lowell's and your Oakland and UT Arlington um, and then obviously you combine that with the Big Twelve and it's going to be one of the toughest schedules in the country playing in the Big Twelve so. Um, I like that. Uh, wrapping things up here, just a few more things. The Associated Press came out with their preseason top 25 on Monday. Um, I'm not surprised that Oklahoma State wasn't on the list. Um, not really disappointed. Uh, they were the first team receiving votes, so technically they're going to be 26th uh, when the season starts. Now, I will say there's some interesting interesting rankings when you when you look at there's a couple of Pac-12 teams that didn't you know they only played like three or four games last year and didn't play that well that are ranked in the top twenty. Um, I understand that De'Aaron King is is back for Miami, but Oklahoma State beat a ranked Miami team, and Miami's 14th and Oklahoma State's unranked. Um, you got a Cincinnati ranked in the top ten, Coastal Carolina, Louisville or not Louisville, uh, Louisiana Lafayette. Utah, Arizona State round out the top 25. Um, I'm not complaining that Oklahoma State's not in the top 25, but there's a couple of picks that make me question why Oklahoma State's not in the top 25. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of teams in the latter half of that uh, that list that I think Oklahoma State would beat well, soundly 20, today. 21 through 25, and let me give you a rundown of that. 21 is Texas, all right? Coastal Carolina... Uh, Louisiana, Utah, and Arizona State. Those, if if I had if I if you'd asked me on Monday morning before it came out, I expected Oklahoma State to be somewhere between twenty two and twenty five. Yeah, I mean, and and I mean, some of those teams. I mean, like, the biggest one that I kind of confuses me is just like where we are versus where Miami is at. Yeah, same. Because. I mean, obviously, that was our last game. We beat them in what was basically a home game for them, right? They were – we were in Florida, right? So um, – That game was in Florida, yes. So, I mean, that was in Orlando. Um, but they uh, – they're at – what, are they at 16? Uh, they're at 14. Oh, they're at 14. Sorry, I think they're at 16 in the coaches poll maybe. Um so yeah, how are they at fourteen? We we beat them when they were ranked at eighteens. 
and they deserve to be ranked. I'm not arguing that at all. No, yeah, I I'm think, not arguing. I'm I, not arguing. No, same. It. I'm just saying. I think Miz- how do you how do you say how do you bump them to 14? And they they very well might deserve to be ranked 14. But if you have an Oklahoma, like you said, an Oklahoma State team that beat a number 18 Miami, and you're going to bump Miami 14 or four spots and not have Oklahoma State ranked, while you have two Pac-12 teams ranked in the top 15. And Cincinnati's eight, and Cincinnati's good, you know. But then you have Texas and Coastal Carolina and Louisiana and Utah and Arizona. Oklahoma State is better than Arizona State, and they're better than Utah. Yeah. So I, I mean, again, I want I want to say I'm not complaining that these teams are ranked. It just makes me question. And that's where it's tricky because it kind of sounds like I am complaining. And I, I guess to an extent, I suppose I am. Um, but I'm okay with Oklahoma State not being ranked. But some of the, some of these picks make me question some of these voters and why they have a vote. Yeah, and I mean, I guess the reason it kind of – I kind of question it or maybe it, like, bothers kind of my – my thought process is because our first three games is like, okay, we should win those pretty soundly, yeah. but it's like, okay, when we, if we beat Missouri state, Boise state and Tulsa by a good number, how much does that really move us up yet? Um, with, uh, with, with beaten Boise state. Now there, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Eight. They're the ninth team receiving votes. Uh, or did I count Oklahoma State on that? Let's see. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Nine. They're the ninth team. Yeah, ninth team receiving votes. Um, so basically, they're the 34th ranked team. Yeah, and I, I, I could see if Oklahoma State, and they should, right? No, you know, there's really no knock on what Oklahoma State should go into conference play 3-0. and Um. I, I think Oklahoma State, if they if they win their first three games, they'll go into conference play ranked. Because there will be teams that lose in the top 25. There, there will be a team that loses a game they shouldn't. Um, and I think that by the time they get to conference play, Oklahoma State will be 23, 24, 25. Um, mm-hmm. And now conference play, the start of conference play is not going to do them any good. I mean, you got Baylor and Kansas State, not particularly in that order. Um, so I don't, I don't know if that's going to do a ton of good, but I think they'll go into conference play. Um, I think they'll go into conference play ranked. And honestly, um, you know, I've, I've discussed this with Robert and I've discussed it with, with Patrick on my show, Oklahoma state should go into Iowa state. They should go into Iowa state six and oh, you've got Missouri state, Tulsa, Boise state. That's, you should win those three. And then you have Kansas State and Baylor at home. You should be five and zero, and then you go to Texas. It'll be a challenge, but I think Oklahoma State should beat. Te- you should go into that Iowa State game, October twenty third, undefeated. And I mean, in theory, and we beat Iowa State last year with the same people they have now. Yeah, now it'll be tough. It's in Ames. Yeah, no, Iowa State's be, pretty damn be, good. That'll be a good game, but. Yeah, if, I mean, if I'm just looking at it, Oklahoma State should be 6-0 and going into Iowa State. And, I mean, I would assume Iowa – I don't know what Iowa State's schedule is, but I'm assuming 
that they would be around the same mark? Well, let's just see here. Iowa State football 2021 schedule. Oh, that was quick. All right, so they've got Northern Iowa, Iowa, and UNLV to start conference play. Iowa so, is I, Iowa is obviously going to be the tricky one. Um, I I think that, yeah they could be undefeated as well. I mean you look at it, you've got Northern Iowa, then you got Iowa, and then you have UNLV, and then you go to Baylor, you host Kansas, and then you go to Kansas State. So yeah, yeah, Iowa State should be six and zero. Oh. And right now they are number seven. Number seven in the country. If, so. if Iowa State ranks seven, if they go six and zero, oh, I I yeah, don't probably. see it out of the realm. I, I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility. They're ranked in the top four. Yeah, I was gonna say I'd say top four because I mean I think someone, one or two teams in the top seven would at least have lost one game by then. Yeah, let's see. Um I think, well, I think Georgia plays Clemson game one. Yeah, you've got Alabama, Oklahoma, Clemson, Ohio State, Georgia, Texas A&M. That's your top six. I think. I think Georgia. I think Georgia will lose to Clemson. I think that's a week one game, and then I think I think it's possible Texas A&M loses at some point. That'd be poetic. Yeah, no. Yeah, so, I mean, Georgia. Yeah, Georgia starts. We play a top four yeah, Georgia. They play Clemson to start the season. A and M. Let's see what A and M does. Um. Well, I doubt it. I mean, A and M probably loses their sixth game. Um, they start off with Kent State, then they have Colorado, then New Mexico. And then their first three non or the first three conference games, you got Arkansas, Mississippi State, and then they they host Alabama on October 9th. So that's the loss. I mean, if if Arkansas is going to lose, that's the loss, and that'll bump Iowa State up. So it's going to be yeah. inter- it's going to be interesting. Uh, I'll tell you this: I am I am looking forward to it. Uh, September fourth cannot get here soon enough. Um, I'm I'm excited to see the and and it's Missouri State so you'll have to take it with a with a bit of a grain of salt but I'm excited to see the progression that Spencer Sanders has made I'm excited to see what the offensive line looks like I'm excited to see exactly how this offensive line or excuse me the running back room shakes out uh, I want to see what this defense looks like because I think this defense could be one of the best defenses in the country um, and that's not that's that's not. That's not like a hot take. I, I think this defense legitimately could be this. I think this defense is going to be better than it was last year, and that's without Amen and Rodarius. Yeah, I mean, and I think that's a pretty common idea among the fans, or at least it, if it isn't already, I'm sure it will be soon. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, looking forward to it. Um, Marshall, it's always fun. Always, yes, al- always enjoy. Uh, talking to you, um, we'll have um, we'll have some availabilities at some point in the next week or so. Uh, so we shall uh, we shall be doing another podcast sometime within the next week. Um, I'd like for Ryan Breeden to be on it, but 
Um, we don't know what that situation is looking like yet. So uh, if, you, if you go back to the beginning, Ryan Breeden, um, he's going to be joining us on Pokes Report sometime in the next couple of weeks. So um, I'd like to have Ryan on, but if we can't, looking forward to uh, looking forward to having him on at some point and bringing him aboard. Uh, he's going to he's gonna be a pretty big strength to the website. Looking forward to what he brings to Pokes Report. Um, Marshall, anything that uh, we might have missed that we need to hit real fast? Um, I don't think so. Not yet. I mean, I'm sure there'll be some other stuff that comes up that we'll cover on the next podcast. Yeah, you know, but... I was going to talk some conference realignment, but there's not much going on. You know, I mean, I know that the, the ACC, Big Ten, and Pac-12 was reported that they're going to possibly form an alliance. We don't know what that alliance is going to be. You don't know if it's going to be just a like a like a decision alliance, a decision making alliance, a vote like a vote alliance, or a maybe schedule or something. I don't see them forming a mega conference. Um, but we're gonna we're gonna hold off on some realignment because we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna let some stuff simmer. So, alrighty, well, yeah, Marshall, I appreciate it. I would you. Uh, let me know how that burnt orange goes. Let me know if you ever get your, yeah, I'll your, definitely, your taste I'll back. I'll keep you updated. You have a gas stove? Or are you gonna uh, have I to do. or are you gonna have to build a fire? Oh no, I have an I have an electric. So you're gonna have to you but... build a fire, even cooler. Yeah. Yeah, we'll figure it out. All right. For Marshall Levinson, I'm Zach Lancaster. This has been the Pokes Report Podcast. If you want the best and complete Oklahoma State coverage, gotta subscribe. Gotta subscribe to Pokes Report. You can go to pokesreport.com. Slash subscribe. It's nine ninety nine a month. Can't beat that much. Now we do have free. You get a free free subscription, a free uh, free profile. We get plenty of free content, but the best content is premium. You got to get it. You got to get it. For Marshall Evanson, I'm Zach Lancaster. The Pokes Report Podcast here on PokesReport.com. We'll talk to you next time.